0: Well, please turn with me in God's Word to the book of Exodus now, Exodus chapter 20 and verses 8 to 11. We're continuing to work our way through these Ten Commandments, and we're taking one more message today to think about the Sabbath day, the fourth day. Commandment. Partly that is because it is such a controversial commandment, and we thought a little bit about that last Lord's Day, uh, but also because it is the longest of the commandments, and so it does merit uh, a little bit more attention. So we read together the fourth commandment as we find it in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days... and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we're thinking this morning about the purpose of the Sabbath day, the purpose of the Sabbath day. And it's worth just noticing as we begin that this fourth commandment is not just about the Sabbath day. It's, about all the days of the week. And that is only but right because the Lord, uh, God, is the Lord over all of our time, every minute of every day, and not just one particular part of it. The fourth commandment is not just about resting on the Sabbath, but it is about working on the other six days of the week. We are commanded to work. And we are commanded to rest. We're commanded to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Uh, it is to be different. That's what holy means. It is different. It is set apart. It is special. It is not like the other six days of the week. We are to set this day apart from the rest of the week, and we are to set it apart to God. Holiness always has those two directions. Uh, Anywhere you see the word holy in the Scriptures, it it always has those two directions being set apart from something, from common use, to the Lord. And we see that uh, as we look at the fourth commandment. There is the six days of the week, and then there is the Sabbath day, and it is different. It is holy god is lord over all the week but the sabbath day is special and so as we think about that uh, i want us to look at this commandment under two uh, the first one we won't spend a lot of time on and then we'll take the rest of our time to look at the second heading so the first thing that the commandment teaches is that we are not to be idle in work don't be idle in work. The Sabbath protects us from being idle in our work. We see that in verse nine, don't we? Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Human beings were not created for idleness. Work is, as theologians describe it, a creation ordinance. It's something that was there right at the beginning, right at the moment of creation. Adam was given work to do, you remember, right from the start, before the fall. Work is not a punishment for sin. It's not the case that before they were driven out of the garden, Adam and Eve lay slumped in a hammock all day long, just drowsing the days away. They had work to do. They were commanded by God to rule over the earth and all that it contained. That's a pretty hefty workload, isn't it? To rule over the earth and everything in it. They were commanded to work and keep the garden. And as Scripture goes on, we see what that involved. It it, it meant that they were to develop science and technology and art and music and literature. All of these things and more were part and parcel of what it meant to rule over the earth, to work it and to keep it. Now, it's true that work became much, much harder after the fall. That was the punishment that sin brought, or one aspect of the punishment that sin brought. Thorns and thistles entered into Adam's daily work. But there's nothing sinful about work in and of itself. The work was there from before the fall. And of course, today, our work, as you don't need me to tell you, our work is still affected by the curse. Thorns and thistles blight your everyday work and mine. Work is not always uh, an unadulterated joy for us. But it is still a good thing. It is a blessing. We were created by God to work to be productive. Uh, We know that it's not good for people to sit around doing nothing all day long. Work is a blessing. And this commandment tells us that we are to work hard for six days, and we are to work productively. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, labor, all your work. That speaks of hard work, doesn't it? Speaks of productivity in our work. Whatever your work is, and and we all have different work to do, uh, and we're not all in paid employment, but whatever your work is, whatever the work that God has called you to do, you're to do it wholeheartedly. You're to work hard at it. For some of you, boys and girls, that's your schoolwork. For young people, it's your university work, your college work. For others, it's housework and looking after children. Some of you are self-employed. Some of you have a boss or a line manager to whom you're answerable. Some of you have relatively low-paid jobs, and others have relatively high-paid jobs jobs. Some of you have work that is tremendously rewarding and fulfilling and that you feel stretches you and uses your gifts and talents. And perhaps for others, it feels like your work is fairly ordinary and tedious and unrewarding. But whatever your work is, you're called to work at it hard and productively. Whatever you do, work at it. As for the Lord, not for men. Work at it with all your heart, it says in Colossians 3 verse 23. And that applies not just to your schoolwork, boys and girls, it applies to chores around the house that mummy and daddy might give you to do. If you're doing the dishes, if you're doing the dusting or the hoovering or the gardening, whatever work you're given to do, you're to work at it hard. When it's our family's turn to clean the church, we've got to work at it heartily as for the Lord and not for men. If we're preparing a Bible study for CY or a talk for camp, whatever the work is that God has given you to do, we are to work at it hard with all our heart. And the commandment tells us that we are to work six days six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to work at your job. Uh, It doesn't have to be paid work that you do for six days. But there is all kinds of work, isn't there? And it is to be fitted in to six days and not five or four or three. There are all kinds of chores in the house. Uh, There's all kinds of ministry and service to others that needs to be done. And we are to labor, we are to work hard for six days of every week. Saturday is not some sacred day of rest when we're selfishly allowed to do whatever we want to do. Although that's the way that many people think, isn't it? There are men and women, and they're out working at their jobs Monday to Friday And they seem to think that Saturday is their day to ignore their families and do their own thing. This is their reward. This is what they're entitled to after five hard days of work. No Sabbath is our day of rest. And the other days are for our ordinary, everyday chores and work, whether paid or unpaid six days you shall labor and do all your work. The fourth commandment is a safeguard against those who are tempted to be idle. Don't be idle in your work. But then secondly, the commandment tells us don't make an idol out of work. Don't be idle in work. But don't make an idol out of work. The Sabbath day protects us from making an idol out of our work. It is a safeguard against those who are tempted to go to the other extreme and turn their work into an idol. This is where they get their meaning and their purpose and their buzz, their joy, their pleasure from. Yes, there are those who are lazy layabouts, uh, and, and there are those who are tempted towards that extreme, but then there are workaholics, and those who are tempted to that extreme, men and women, and they cannot stop working. They think that rest is for weak people and for lazy people, that there's something suspicious about resting That is not true. Only God never needs to rest. We are mortal creatures, and we do need to rest. And it is arrogant for us to think that we don't, especially when God has commanded it. We are sinning against God if we do not rest. And the Sabbath day every week, helps us to see if we are in danger of making an idol out of our work. Whatever that work may be, it might be the ministry. It's very possible it is a real temptation for ministers of the gospel to make the ministry into an idol, and they cannot give it up because that's where they get their sense of meaning and purpose and satisfaction and joy from. Sabbath helps us to see if we're in danger of making our work an idol. It forces us to stop work for one whole day out of every seven. We're not to work. Instead, we are to give this day over to the worship of God. So, don't make an idol out of work. Give this whole day over to the Lord. Well. What is this day for then? If it's not for work, what is it for? Two things. We've thought about them already with the younger children. First of all, it is a day to rest. It is a day to rest. This, the word Sabbath means rest. And this rest aspect of the Sabbath comes out again and again in the Scriptures. In verse 11, we're commanded to rest in imitation of our Creator resting. We are to rest because He rested. After six days of creating, He rested on the seventh day to enjoy the fruits of His labor. And He did this, we're told, to give us a pattern to follow. We work for six days And on the seventh day, we rest and enjoy the fruits of the work that we've done. The Lord didn't have to make the universe in six days, but he did it that way to give us this divine timetable for our lives. One day of rest in every seven is built into creation. It's hardwired into our DNA. As we saw last week, this is not just for Christians. This is for all human beings, and we ignore it at our very real peril. Apparently, both the French and the Russians, uh, for a short time, experimented with a 10-day week. In fact, after the French Revolution, they experimented uh, with making time completely decimal Uh, So there were 100 seconds in a minute. There were 100 minutes in an hour and so on. But there were 10 days in every week. And it was a disastrous failure. It just didn't work at all. And so it shouldn't surprise us that there is so much burnout and stress and breakdowns in our own society today because the whole society wholesale has turned against the Creator's pattern of work and rest. Six days' work, one day of rest. We see this, I think, especially clearly in Exodus 23, verse 12. You might just want to flick forwards to Exodus 23, verse 12. Chapters 21 to 23 of Exodus elaborate Uh, on the Ten Commandments. They don't add to them. They don't really give any new commandments, but they spell out in more detail uh, what the Ten Commandments mean in practice. Uh, And here we have some elaboration on the fourth commandment. Exodus 23, verse 12. For six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest." and the son of your servant woman, and the alien may be refreshed. And just there in one verse, you have three different words, three different Hebrew words that describe rest on the Sabbath. First of all, it says, on the seventh day, you shall rest. And that's the word Sabbath. And that means stop, cease, desist. Sabbath is a day to rest. We stop work. We put down our tools, our pens, our vacuum cleaners, whatever it might be. We rest. And then we see in verse 12 that this Sabbath rest includes even animals. They are to have rest. Uh, And this word can mean to, to settle down in peace They're sent out into the fields to graze freely. They don't have to bear any burdens on the Sabbath day. God even cares about animals getting rest on the Sabbath. And then there's that final word, be refreshed, that all of these people and animals may be refreshed. That's a beautiful word in the original. It's a very graphic description of what the Sabbath rest is meant to be, because this word comes from the word which means breath or soul or life. In other words, the Sabbath day is a day for workers to catch their breath, a day to be rejuvenated, to have your soul refreshed and restored, to be given a new lease of life, so that you can meet the demands of the coming week's work. And so we're not to work ourselves, and we're not to make others work. It is a day for rest from work. And this says something to us, doesn't it, about the kindness of the God we worship. He remembers that we are dust. He knows how fragile we are. He knows that we need this day to recover our strength. He knows very well that we're not machines, that we're not designed to run continually, non stop. And so, Christians who are workaholics, Christians who can't stop working, who won't stop working, who won't ever rest, who won't ever put their feet up and relax. Christians like that, make no mistake, are sinning. That is a wrong thing to do. And, and sometimes you'll hear Christians say, but, well, I just, I feel very guilty if I'm not working. Well, you should feel guilty if you're never resting. Just because we feel guilty about something doesn't mean we're right to feel guilty about it. Sin twists our reason, so that we don't feel bad about things that we should feel bad about. And if you're one of those people, or if that's your tendency, that you are tempted, that's one of your besetting sins, that you never rest, or you rarely rest, and perhaps you even look down on those who do rest, you need to try to retrain your conscience in accordance with Scripture. It is a day of rest. And what a tremendous blessing this is. A whole day when with a completely clear conscience, we can forget about work for 24 hours. You can sit down in an armchair and you don't need to feel that there is some job that you need to go and see to. You young people who are in the middle of revising for your GCSEs and A-levels, you can switch off You don't have to think about any of those subjects for a whole day. And that will actually do your brain much, much more good than if you spent that whole day revising. Somebody has said, if you don't appreciate the Sabbath, it's because you're not working hard enough the rest of the week. If you are laboring for six days and doing all your work, then you will be ready for your Sabbath rest and you will delight in it, an oasis of rest in the middle of all the busyness. We need to be careful that we don't make the Sabbath day too busy, because it is meant to be a day of rest. And that may sound rather unspiritual, but we need to make sure that we don't make ourselves more spiritual than God himself. He says, this is his idea, he says that the Sabbath is a day of rest. It's one of the great purposes of the day. Now, of course, some work does need to be done on the Sabbath, and the Bible makes provision for that. And you'll be familiar with these categories. Let me just mention them briefly. Uh, There is work of necessity, for example. Work of necessity. Jesus says in Luke 14, verse 5, If one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? So work of necessity, emergencies, those uh, require attention even on the Sabbath day. Emergencies are bound to arise that can't wait but normally, if something can be done before the Sabbath, in advance, or if it can wait until after the Sabbath is over, then that's how you know that it's not a work of necessity. And that means that food must be cooked, uh, unless you're going to have cold meals on Sabbath day. Uh, food does need to be cooked, or at least it needs to be heated on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is not a fast day. It's a feast day. So we don't need to deprive ourselves. It doesn't need to be the most meager meal of the whole week. But most of the preparation for the the, the food of the Sabbath day can be done and should be done in advance of the Sabbath, so that only what is absolutely, genuinely necessary is left to be done on the Sabbath. Works of necessity. Works of mercy is another category of work that may be done on the Sabbath day. Works of mercy. Mark 3 verse 4, Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? And the answer is obvious, isn't it? And Jesus goes on to heal uh, the man Uh, who was unwell on the Sabbath day uh, to prove the point. Works of mercy are absolutely permitted on the Lord's day. And so medical staff, uh, emergency services, firefighters, policemen, and so on, uh, all of these may work on the Sabbath day. Farmers, the cows still need to be milked uh, on the Sabbath day. But it shouldn't be the case, even though these things are permitted, these works of mercy, it shouldn't be the case that we just regard Sabbath as another ordinary day of business. Obviously, we're limited, perhaps, if you fall into one of these categories, but we should always be looking for ways to reduce the work that needs to be done on the Sabbath day. Works of mercy. And then thirdly, works of piety works of piety, Matthew 12 verse 5. Jesus says, haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? Well, here I am working on the Sabbath while preaching about how we shouldn't work on the Sabbath. Ministers obviously have work to do on the Sabbath. And yet for us, too, as ministers, as far as possible, the Sabbath should be a day of rest. And as much that can be done beforehand should be done so that what needs to be done on the Sabbath is reduced to the bare minimum. Now, of course, there are many, many more gray areas today than in the past. Uh, We live in a society that is technologically very complex, but this principle is not just for Old Testament Israel. This is not just for the past. We thought about that last Lord's Day. This command is for all people in every age, in every nation. And God has given the Sabbath as much for 21st century people as for the people of the 15th century B.C. So you young people, well, not just young people, but particularly young people, as you interview for jobs. You need to understand that it's going to get harder and harder to get a job where some unnecessary work on the Sabbath day is not required of you. And so you need to make up your mind now. Don't wait until you get the job offer. Uh, Don't wait until you're in the interview and you're asked this question. You need to make up your mind beforehand before the issue ever arises, that you will not take a job that requires you to do unnecessary work on the Lord's day. You remember uh, the wonderful example of Eric Little, uh, that athlete who refused to race in the Olympics on the Sabbath day. God says, those who honor me, I will honor. If you honor the Lord by refusing to take work on the Sabbath day, unnecessary work on the Sabbath day, then he will honor you. That doesn't mean that you'll get a better job, necessarily. doesn't even guarantee that you'll get a job. But what he does promise is that he will honor those who honor him. It is a day to rest. But then the other thing uh, about the purpose of the Sabbath is that it is a day to remember It's a day to rest, and it is a day to remember. We rest on the Sabbath for the sake of refreshing our bodies. But that does not mean that we spend the whole day comatose on the sofa, because there is an even more important reason why we are to rest from our work why we are to put aside the concerns and pressures and distractions of everyday life. Yes, it is for our body's sake. It is for our mental health. It is so that we are rested and refreshed. But it is more than that. It is so that we are able to remember the acts of God. We rest from our work to give us time and to give us space to remember the works of the Lord. And there are two particular acts of God that we are to remember. First of all, creation. Creation. We see this in Exodus 20, verse 11. The commandment says, We are to keep the Sabbath, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we are to rest on the Sabbath day and we are to remember that God is our creator. Every Sabbath we are consciously to recall that God made everything. At the start of every week we remind ourselves that the Lord created the universe. And that is all the more necessary, isn't it, in our modern society? Because it's so easy to forget our dependence upon the Lord. If these desert wanderers, the Israelites in the wilderness at Mount Sinai these desert wanderers who were being fed every day by miraculous bread that came down from heaven and this river of water that gushed forth from the rock, if they needed a weekly reminder that God was their creator, how much more do we need to be reminded of that every week? Because our culture, uh, the, the technology around us, Uh, the, the, the luxury that we have here in the West, all of these things insulate us, don't they, from consciously realizing how much we need God, how much we depend on God for everything that we have. And that's why we need to take time at the beginning of every week deliberately to remind ourselves that God made us and not we ourselves, that he provides for us and not we ourselves. So we're to remember creation. And then the other thing that we're to remember is redemption. Creation and redemption. And we see this in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. This is the restatement of the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy. And when Moses uh, relates the fourth commandment in Deuteronomy five fifteen, He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So God connects there he ties together redemption from Egypt, redemption from slavery, and keeping the Sabbath day. The Lord redeemed you, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is a day to remember God's redemption. Of course, the Israelites could remember God's redemption every day. But the Sabbath is especially set aside for this purpose, for this conscious, deliberate, intentional recollection of salvation. A day to praise God and to give thanks to God for redeeming them from Egypt, to think through all the implications and consequences of that redemption, what it means for them individually and as a nation, what it means for them as families. It's a day to remember redemption. And of course, today in the New Testament, we remember a far greater redemption, don't we? Even than the exodus out of Egypt. The exodus was just a picture, just a shadow That's the word that the New Testament uses. It's just a shadow of the deliverance that Jesus Christ would bring. He was going to come and lead us out from being slaves to sin. And so on the Sabbath day, we put away the concerns of the rest of the week. And we're able to forget about the busyness of everyday life and all of its distractions and the phone calls and the emails. And we can remember in a focused way our salvation and all its glories, the, 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 the details of it, the facts of it. We can remind ourselves of what actually happened, what the Lord Jesus did. And we can think through the implications of this great act of salvation. And we need that, don't we? We need help. We need a day to remember these things because we're so quick to forget. The world takes up so much of our energy and our attention. And perhaps days can go past and we've hardly thought about the gospel at all. The Sabbath redresses that balance at the first day of every week. We should think as we come to a new Lord's Day, how can I fulfill the purpose of this day? How today, on this Sabbath, can I consciously, deliberately, intentionally remember creation and remember redemption? Those of you who are parents, particularly of younger children, you need to do some creative thinking. You need to get advice from older Christians who have brought up their children. How can you bring these truths especially before your children on the Sabbath day? There's all kinds of things that we could teach them on the Sabbath day, but especially creation and redemption. So here is the purpose of the Sabbath day. We rest from our work in order to remember the Lord. And once we understand that, if we can carry those two things with us in our minds, we rest in order to remember. So many of the gray areas uh, and the debates about what we may and may not do on the Sabbath day evaporate. We're to rest. It's a day to rest from all our work, except the bare minimum of necessary work. And we're not to make anyone else work unnecessarily either. And so of any work that we're planning to do or thinking of doing, we ask, could this be done in advance? Or can this wait until tomorrow? It's a day for remembering the Lord. So make that the litmus test of any activity that you're not sure about can I do this today? Is this appropriate for the Lord's day? Ask yourself, will it help me remember the Lord? Will this honestly help me to focus on God better? And two people, two sincere Christians or two Christian families might well answer that question in different ways. And that's okay. But that's the question that we need to ask. Will this honestly help me to focus on the Lord better. And for the true believer, the Sabbath is not an inconvenient nuisance to be endured. It's a treasure to be prized. It's a pleasure to delight in. A man and a woman who are in love with one another don't for one moment resent being told that they have to spend a whole day in each other's company something wrong in a relationship if the thought of more time together is a cause of dismay rather than joy. How kind, how good our God is to give us this whole day, this holy day, this glorious day for resting and for remembering Him. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your kindness and your grace, your love and your tender mercy to us in giving to us all that we need for life and godliness, and especially the blessing of this Sabbath day. And we pray that uh, as those who have been planted in your house, we pray that we would flourish Uh, as we keep your day holy, as we rest, and as we remember you. We pray that you would help us to do that in all of the activities that we engage in today. Bless our worship. Bless our fellowship with one another. Bless our conversation together. Bless our thoughts. We pray that in all these things, we would get great good and blessing from you and give much glory to you.